0: In the UK at the moment, I think it's around 60% of adults are in debt, excluding their mortgages. This means that 60% of adults are not following what I call the first rule of wealth, which is spend less than you receive. And so by just teaching your kids to save just a little bit of money every time they receive it, they're going to be well ahead of most adults today. And again, it doesn't matter about how small it is, it's all about that habit.
1: Welcome to the Lessons Outside the Classroom podcast. I'm your host, John Anno, and this is the place where I interview experts and professionals about a range of topics relating to the development and growth of children. You'll also get practical tips and advice you can implement. If you have any specific topics you'd like covered, please email on lessonsoutside at gmail.com. I'm really pleased to have on the on the show today Will Rainey. Um, Will is the founder of Blue Tree Savings, which is a financial education platform. to Help parents teach their kids about money. Um, welcome to the show, Will.
0: Well, welcome, thanks, John. Um,
1: before we we get stuck in, I'd love to hear about uh, Blue Tree Savings. You know why you started it uh, and what led you to to build this this platform.
0: Yeah, no, perfect. Uh, so. It was kind of many, about three or so years ago, I was working in Hong Kong. So I used to be um, work as an investment consultant for a large consultancy firm, both in London, and then I moved to, to Hong Kong in 2014, and really enjoying it and helping some of the, the world's largest investors, so that's insurance companies, retirement schemes, and kind of governments, help them look after their, like, millions, in some cases, billions of, of dollars of assets. But then I was talking to someone, I can't exactly remember who, and they I was talking about my two young daughters, and they just said um, to me, oh, enjoy this time, they only grow up once. And it's, it was such an obvious statement, but it just had a profound impact on me, and I was like, yeah, that's right, it, it does, you only have that time with them once. So I talked to my wife and said, well, we should spend more time with our kids whilst they're going through this. This great period of being young and want to be around us we know that as they get older that's not going to be the case um why don't we go and do something a bit different and spend more time so we decided to put in a bit of a plan to kind of take a retirement or a mini retirement to have this time with the kids so we put in plan a place saying it was about a year and a half to kind of leave full-time work and spend time with the kids. And so that's what we did. And at the end of 2019, we left our full time jobs. We actually moved to where I am now, which is in, in Vietnam, because it's a place that we just love to, to travel to. And it's very relaxed where we are. But whilst I was um, leaving, a lot of people said, how are you going to afford to not be working full time? And I was like, well, my wife and I, fortunately, have always been good savers. And because of my background, I've been investing our savings. So essentially, our savings were going to pay us an income, which is going to allow us to spend this time and have this kind of freedom with our kids. So I thought, well, it's surprising that I work in the financial industry, but yet so many other people within that industry kind of couldn't understand how I could do what I'm doing. And these are, like, these are people who know about money. Um, but yeah, so then there's this whole world of other people who have no idea about finances. Like, what are they doing? So then it was a case of, right, we're going to spend this time with our kids. My kids are going to be at school. So there's an international school here. I wanted to have a bit of a project. And it was kind of putting those two bits together and saying, right, well, what I want to do is try to help more people save so they can have this kind of freedom and opportunity that my wife and I have now got with our kids because we're just having the, the kind of time of our lives and so kind of blessed to, to be able to spend this much time with our kids. And as I've been talking to my kids about money and how we could afford to do what we're doing, I'd started talking to them about stories. And so I thought well instead of talking to um, going talking to adults directly and saying this is how you should sort out your, your kind of finances so you can kind of do what we're doing. I thought, well, it's a it's much more longer-term game. Why don't I try and help the next generation to do what we're doing? And that's where it really came to me about talking to kids and money uh, and trying to say right, a lot of what my wife and I were fortunate enough to do was start saving from a young age. And we'd kind of been drilled into by our parents uh, about money and saving and the importance of that. So I really wanted to help uh, kids learn about money. But at the same time, I didn't really want to go into schools um, and teach kids directly, A, because I was in Vietnam, and that would make that very challenging. But I also felt that money was kind of something you got trained to do <laughs> rather than kind of very much taught. And so I thought, well, to, to do that kind of training, you need the parents to be on board. So that's why I felt if I go and say to the parents, look, I can help you teach your kids, then what I'll be doing is both helping the kids but also helping the parents uh, learn about money in a very, very simplistic way kind of way uh, and that would help kind of two generations at once and that was kind of a bit of a story that I had with a very very close friend who hadn't been saving for many many years they asked me what I was doing I told them and they said right well whilst I was setting setting up for my kids I also set it up for myself and now I'm saving every month and that was just like wow that's that's such a good reason to, to, to for me to carry on and start writing some blogs and, and content uh, for parents
1: that's great and obviously a really inspirational story there so it's clear that you seem to have had a very good background in terms of money from your parents can you just give us some insight in terms of what specifics maybe a bit of information about them what they did what messages you got because it's clear that that's really the key in terms of you know hearing it from from your parents so that'd be really interesting to understand the insight that obviously that you've carried on to today
0: yeah no definitely. Um, so my parents were much more about observing rather than sitting down. My parents now claim that they, they talked to me loads when I was growing up but my memory of that <laughs> is much of a muchness. So when I was growing up we lived in the same house for uh, 22 years um, and we, my parents got promotions etc and they could have moved to a bigger house. Don't get me wrong we had a A three-bedroom detached. So it wasn't. We were living in a small house, but there was always this opportunity. And all friends were moving houses into bigger houses and etc. But my parents never did that. (laughs) They just kept paying off their mortgage. And I was like, "Oh God, I want a bigger house. I want a bigger bedroom, etc." Like I'm seeing other people. But then, as soon as I finished university, so I was I was 21. Um, My parents retired early and went to live in Spain. And it was from that experience that really got me then into the savings kind of mindset because I'd be starting my work and as a new graduate in a finance job, I was working kind of long hours and I would speak to my parents and they'll be telling me how they painted a chair or something on that day, (laughs) essentially living this amazing life. Um, And it's all because they had saved. And that kind of inspired me to say, right, that's what I kind of want to do with my life. I want to be saving, and I want to be able to kind of retire early and have this freedom, live in the sun kind of mindset. So it's much more about observing my parents doing what they did and seeing that they had a nice life. They we had went on holidays. They, they had cars, but clearly they kept it well below their means, such so, that so when they did retire, both they had savings, but also their standard of living was a, a very comfortable standard of living that they've lived for, for many years. So they, that didn't need to change, and it wasn't going to kind of blow the bank um, when they did come to retire. So, yeah, much more experience and observation rather than sitting down and sort of teaching me, you should do this, you should do that, because I don't remember saving too much when I was kind of growing up It was more as soon as I saw my parents living the lifestyle they did and kind of wanted to to copy that.
1: Interesting. And I know that we're we're here to talk about, I guess, how you transfer the financial lesson onto your children. However, I think a key thing is, okay, adults. And so just for a second, I I wouldn't mind you just talking a bit about, I guess, whichever way we want to put it, either some of the key mistakes you see people making or some of yeah. the key things and key lessons you think people should do. Because I guess before you can start to teach someone else, um, you probably need to get a good handle on on finances yourself. So if you could start there, that, that'd be great.
0: Yes, certainly. And essentially it all comes down to overspending. It's pretty much all financial mistakes that you kind of see as people spending their future their future wealth. <laughs> they say, Well, I." can't afford it now, but I've got a good salary. I can therefore afford it in the future. And it's going to be quite comfortable because I can pay the, the amount on debt or credit to be able to afford that repayment. And they, they very much focus on that repayment rather than how much this is going to cost me over that kind of whole period. And it's that whole kind of cycle of, okay, I, I can have this now and I will because I know I can afford that payment has led to lots of people just overspending. And then you get into the keeping up with the Joneses kind of mindset. And so it's not so much about knowledge. There is clearly some people just don't have a clue about the the debt costs and the the interest that's been accrued. But most people, even if they do know that, still think, well, I can still afford the payment and therefore I can afford it. And therefore, but just don't have that sense of patience to, to wait until later and then that essentially snowballs up into soon enough having lots and lots of debt and incremental adding to that in terms of their spending leads them to suddenly get into a point where they say oh, actually oh, I can't keep on spending and then they get into the financial stress financial anxieties especially if there's any kind of event where they lose their jobs or reduce jobs or kind of a family emergency as well where they need, to, they need extra money at, at a particular point in time. And that can cause huge amounts of, of stress and anxiety. And so it's very much for adults understanding why are they spending, and it's all about habits. And the good thing about what I've kind of learned through doing my kind of blogs and research is that it's not so much about knowledge. Like, knowledge is clearly very, very powerful, but it's understanding its, it's habits. And a lot of parents <laughs> and adults today have, have, unfortunately, very poor habits because they learned to spend really very early on and kind of continued that. But the good thing about that is that when they're thinking about their kids, they might say, well, I've got lots of debt myself. How am I supposed to teach my kids it is possible for parents to teach their kids good habits. And it's you don't need to be very, you don't have to be very smart. You don't have to be have loads of money. You don't have to uh, have sort of a wealthy family as a background. We can pretty much every single parent can help their kids form good money habits very simply. And that's, again, that's the bit I'm really trying to make, empower as many parents as possible to teach their kids good money habits from a, from a young, young age.
1: That's really good. And it's great to hear you say that, you know, even parents who perhaps haven't had the best relationship with money can do this? Because that was going to be my sort of one question is that, you know, if you are a parent that perhaps, you know, you appreciate that, you know what, you don't have the best handle on money. How does that kind of preclude you from teaching your kids? So it's great to hear you say that. And I guess now moving on to kids, um, let's talk about, okay, if I'm, I'm a parent, I've, I've got two kids. How do I go about it? If that's okay, I know it's quite basic, but I'd love to kind of give our, our listeners some really practical you know, info. So how, you know, what do I start with? How do I go about it? When do I start?
0: So the bit that I say is the best first conversation about money is to get kids to think about money as seeds. And I know this is not me making this up. This has been used in many other sort of financial literature uh, going, going back but if all parents can teach their kids that if to think of money like seeds, then straight away they can say, well, those seeds can be given away. And that's just like spending. But straight away, kids can learn that seeds grow. And without parents teaching kids that money can grow and money can be saved or planted, kids might not find that out until much later on in their kind of life but by that time, they've already formed a spending habit. Every time they get some money for birthdays, et cetera, they're straight to the shops and spending it. And that's forming a spending habit. So the first bit is to say to kids, think of money like seeds and don't give away all your seeds. Plant some of your seeds. And that's just like saving. And over time, if they plant them and invest them, ultimately, those seeds will grow and those tr- it will grow into a tree. Those tree will produce seeds, I like give an interest or a return from their, their money, which will then can, you can grow and grow more trees. And essentially their objective is to try and grow their own financial forest. And if they have that as kind of an objective straight away, if they've, they've given money a purpose, <laughs> more so than it's just there for spending. But the key is not to say all your money has to go and be planted. It's just saying put a little bit away, <laughs> plant some of your seeds and then watch them grow. And that's just a nice, easy way for parents to teach their kids about money and the importance of having a kind of financial forest or a freedom forest, as my kind of kids refer to it. Because, again, based on kind of my my own story, we have our own (laughs) freedom forest now, and it produces seeds, which we can then use to cover our expenses. But then the key part of that is that they need to learn not to spend all of their seeds or give their, all their seeds away and the key thing for parents to understand is that the whole world is set up for us to give our seeds away <laughs> marketing departments are spending millions billions globally to try and get us to to spend money they are technology companies like Facebook and Google etc probably know more about us than we know about ourselves <laughs> so they they can use that to make sure they target ads at us, understand our insecurities about keeping up the Joneses or obedience or uh, so-called, um, so therefore our kids, we've got to essentially train our kids <laughs> to fight against this <laughs> and that's why it's all about training rather than teaching when it comes to to saving. And that's why parents should try and think of every time their kids get some money, encourage them just to save a little bit. It doesn't need to be a lot. It just needs to be a, so, I don't know, one out of every 10 pounds or essentially 10% of any money that they receive, get them to just put that away. It doesn't matter how small that is. And then they're just going to be forming a habit. They've still got 90% that they can go and spend and have fun but that 10% and it will just build up. And if they start to see it grow, they'll probably want a bit, a bit more in there and they'll want to protect it as well because as kids are learning about trees at school and the environment, they'll, they'll kind of have that uh, protective kind of mindset towards those savings. But the key is that the kids are forming this habit. So when they become adults, they get more money and people say, well, how did you save this much? They'll just say, oh, it's just what I do. Every time I had some money, I always saved a little bit first and if they have that kind of habit and mindset that kind of protects them against these kind of the the, the discounts the special offers uh the must-have now kind of marketing propaganda that we see interesting
1: i think the next point you talked about um, money pocket money i know that can be a contentious issue um and you know what's your view on pocket money um and what's your view on you know the amount we allow our Kids to spend freely versus saying no, you can't buy that. No, yes, you can buy that. Or no, that's too much money. So it'd be good to get your view on this, and actually, be great to get some context around kind of what ages we're, we're talking about as
0: well. So pocket money. For me, I'm a strong believer that pocket money is the most underrated yet powerful financial education tool there is, and I'd strongly encourage all parents to give their kids some pocket money, even if it's a smallest amount, as I said, it's all kids are going to need to form good money habits and to form habits, you need to be doing the same action over and over again. And pocket money just allows kids to have that opportunity to always be practicing good money uh, decisions. So if they get, even if they get one pound and save 10 P of that every time, every week that's forming that habit. In terms of ages, I would say pocket money from as young as even four years old, um, because the kids at that time know a bit about money, they can understand what they can buy and what they can't. And so my strong belief is that pocket money should be kind of given at a very young age, just again, so kids can make these money decisions, i.e. not being based on chores, not being based on homework results or good behavior, but just there to be able to get that amount. In terms of the amount, so the other really strong bit that I believe about pocket money is that we, when kids are very, very young, parents are going to just buy their kids everything that they need. <laughs> when they're going to buy clothes, they're going to buy entertainment, snacks, everything. By the time they get to adulthood, we want our children to be fully in charge of what their spending decisions are. So they should be in charge of all discretionary spending, essentially, because they're, they're going to be adults. <laughs> and essentially, pocket money is just helping us go from one extreme to the other. And that, if we think of money, pocket money in that framework, it becomes a lot more practical. It's not, um, it's not there just as free money to go to the kids <laughs> and kind of do whatever. So for my kids, for example, they're now six and eight. We don't buy them any toys except for on their birthday and Christmas and so what we say is we give them some pocket money and we kind of say, right, we broadly know how much kind of toys they might want to buy and how many toys we probably buy them throughout the year. But we say, right, here's some pocket money, and but we're not going to buy any toys. If you want new toys, use your pocket money. And so that's what they do. They save up for their, their toys and they get them. And then as they get older and older, we'll start saying, well, here's a bit more pocket money, but now we're not going to buy you this so that might be as they get into sort of early sort of 10 12 maybe we're not going to buy you casual clothes <laughs> but here's some extra pocket money which we kind of would have spent on casual clothes had we had been in control but there you go that's that's pocket money is yours you can go and buy whatever casual clothes you'd like <laughs> if they go and buy spend it all on sort of uh, one one top or five tops that's up to them but essentially we're allowing them to make those decisions And key to kind of implied in the question, allow them to make those mistakes as well. So they get to to make purchasing uh, decisions where one sibling might uh, steadily buy lots of different types of clothes and the other one might buy just one very expensive top (laughs) and they'll kind of see the differences between them. But as parents, we'll try and give guidance, but the key is we we want them to make mistakes because... People learn through um, experiences more so than just hearing. So it might be, well, I might not do that. I think personally, I think that's a waste of money. But rather than saying, don't do that, that's a waste of money. Because what's implied there is you don't know anything about money. I do. You have to listen to me. And then the child is kind of kind of grow up going, OK, I need to go and ask my parents because I don't know anything, but my parent knows everything. <laughs> Whereas actually what you want to be is, OK, I, I personally don't think that's a a good decision but and this is why but it's your money if you want to go and purchase that that's fine and kids they do learn from that I've had a daughter she bought a toy it's very expensive for, for her age and she's not played played with it about twice <laughs> and she knows that she spent so many weeks saving up for it uh, and it wasn't as good as it she thought it was going to be and now she sort of makes sure she does a little bit more research before she buys the toys but I spoke to someone from the money charity actually recently and her daughter uh, wanted to buy an advent calendar so it was this last December or just before December and it was £140 <laughs> for an advent calendar and <laughs> What? <laughs> Most parents would say, oh, that is a waste of money. You're not buying that. But she didn't. She let her daughter buy it. Her daughter really enjoyed saving up for it. The daughter really enjoyed the advent calendar because I think it had body lotions, etc. under each door, or whatever format it was in. And she's going to go and buy it again next year. And the daughter really enjoyed it. And therefore, she's enjoying her money. And she saved up for it herself. So it's not as if she's wasted her parents' money. Um, she's sacrificed, clearly, other things that she could have spent that money on. So she's learning kind of these lessons, but you can just see how many parents would say, actually, no, that's a waste of money. You can't do that. But actually people do enjoy spending money on different things. And it's all for us to, to allow, give our kids an environment to, to make those decisions. And the more decisions they make, the and more encouragement or guidance we can give without kind of being too dictatorish about it, the more comfortable and confident they'll be with money as they grow up
1: interesting so some good points there um also I know that money is in families is generally a, uh, a potentially taboo subject mm-hmm. to what extent do you think um, parents should share their money situation with their kids so you know whether it's a case of you know what if we do a budget share with the kids this is how much I earn um you know what actually this is a mistake I made I bought I let I borrowed this money and bought this car um I know some parents listen to this some guardians might think no way because it is such a taboo subject. what is your view about the openness you should or shouldn't have with your kids in terms of your own finances
0: so I would say try and be as open as possible in the most positive way possible so I think that's the key piece it's about being positive so happily share your current situation but try and put a positive spin on it like we are in debt but now what we're going to do is this this is how we got into this, but this is what we're we're doing to, to get out of that, and we're learning from this experience. So I don't think there's anything wrong with sort of saying about mistakes or things that wish we we'd done differently. But as long as it's in that kind of positive state, because the hardest thing, and I, I do get this from, from parents where I say, I don't want to talk to my kids about money, it stresses me out. I'm not gonna put that stress on my children. But the key is that we really, really do need to help our kids learn about money from a young age. And if kids just observe their parents not talking about money, they're going to associate that with a negative. It's like we don't talk to kids about swearing or we don't swear. And therefore, kids know that swearing is bad. So it's it's almost the fact that we're not swearing means it's bad. And if we don't talk about money, that means that's bad as well. And we don't really don't want our kids to be growing up thinking that money is is a negative, even if you've personally had bad experiences. It's almost trying to use money, talking to your kids about money as a catalyst for for parents as well to say, okay, how do we turn this into a positive money story? Right, we're in debt now, but we're going to start saving a little bit of our money each month to to pay off our debts. And at the same time, we're going to uh, help you save a little bit of money as well, if they can afford to do so. So yeah, positivity is the key piece.
1: That's a good point, actually. And and that idea of positivity, because you do hear, again, some negative talk in terms of, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, that's too expensive. And I can see your point. Actually. I hadn't thought about it that way in terms of, you know, even if it is a, I guess, a negative situation to put that positive spin because I guess that then positions money in a certain way in a a child's mind in terms of it's unachievable Um, particularly when you say something too expensive you know nothing is necessarily too expensive it's just that you haven't saved enough I guess
0: yeah and that's the kind of quote is it's not I can't afford that it's I can't afford that yet or uh, I, I don't have the money for that or how do I get the money to have that and it's trying to put that kind of growth mindset, so one of the best or most popular uh, financial financial literacy books is uh, Think and Grow Rich, <laughs> and it's all about not putting self-limiting uh, beliefs on money and saying uh, that money is abundant, um, you can uh, have money, and it's all about having those right habits, but if in your mind you kind of say money doesn't grow on trees, that is too expensive, then the chances of you actually uh, generating wealth is going to be much lower and if you as a parent are putting limiting beliefs onto your children so those kind of statements that you you raised potentially could have a negative impact over the long term where children feel okay money's not good not good so therefore I'm not going to talk about it therefore I'm not going to manage it and think about it as little as possible <laughs> and that means not educating in most senses so therefore, it's, it's just so important to have that positivity view that even if it's bad for you, if you can teach your kids to save just a little bit, they're going to have this nest egg kind of growing steadily and they're going to have this great money habit, which so few people have Like in the UK at the moment. I think it's around 60% of adults are in debt, excluding their mortgages. Wow. So This means that 60% of adults are not following what I call the first rule of wealth, which is spend less than you receive. And so by just teaching your kids to save just a little bit of money every time they receive it, they're going to be well ahead of most adults today. And again, it doesn't matter about how small it is. It's all about that habit. And, And therefore every single parent can help their kids form that habit and be in a much, much better position to ensure their kids grow up financially healthy. And that's the key word that I like to use.
1: Brilliant. That, that's some, some great advice there. I want to take a slight detour now. Um, so we've talked about kids and some of the things you might do to initiate good financial knowledge. I now want to talk about actually saving and investing for your kids, because I guess, you know, even if you've come from a place where your pros perhaps haven't necessarily invested, say for you, you're in a position to your point about having knowledge Um, and not like I'm not, this is not necessarily a financial advice session, but actually it'd be really interesting to know because obviously you've got a great background in money, in finance, kind of, you know, if I could ask, kind of what things are you doing for your kids to kind of invest and save and to make sure that you're giving your kids a good financial start, both educationally, but also literally from a finance perspective.
0: I've been teaching my kids pretty much a whole array of different uh, money topics. So from the education point of view, because I still think knowledge is power, but I say that the primary bit is the habits. So, yeah, I've been teaching my kids about debts and tax and retirement savings, etc. and doing it all using kind of tree analogies. Uh, but one of the most powerful ones as has been about um, trying to make those seeds grow into trees. And it's how does money grow and my view on investing in the stock market is it's almost like the opposite of that the famous sort of fable of um, a wolf in sheep's clothing it's pretty much the opposite of that it's a sheep in wolf's clothing most people are scared of investing but actually if you know the kind of basics of it it's actually relatively simple and not something that most people should be scared of and that's one of the key bits I've been writing about in many of my blogs is to try and help parents realise that Investing doesn't have to be scary, it doesn't have to be hard, but it has long-term great benefits and so one of the kind of most popular blogs that I've written has been how to teach your kids about the stock market and so essentially I told a a story about how I spoke to my then seven-year-old explaining to her how we make her money grow. And it just started off with a very, very simple premise that we were in McDonald's at the time, eating our burgers, and there's all the people at the counter. And I said, look, we invest in thousands of companies. Every month, uh, the the money that you save, we invest. And that means that we own thousands of different companies, including McDonald's, which we're in. And so I said, you see all those people who are in the queue buying their, their burgers and Happy Meals. They're getting a little bit poorer because they're giving their money away. But McDonald's is getting all that money. So McDonald's is getting richer. And the fact that we own some McDonald's means that we also get a bit richer. <laughs> and the money, and that's straight away, they kind of got the concept of, okay, to get rich, we need to follow the money. <laughs> and if the money's going to companies, own the companies, and then we get that kind of money. And that's how money grows. And we kind of said in that example the money that we invest in say mcdonald's in that just as an example uh, means that mcdonald's has more money to go and create new burgers or open new restaurants which means more people can go and spend more money at mcdonald's and makes more money and therefore we get more money and it was it's just such a simple bit, and they're like, brilliant. And then we went past the because we we're in Hong Kong at the time, went past um, the Apple store, and I, you can kind of say the same kind of story there, and pretty much all the big uh, shops. So straight away, they understood the concept of investing. Then I kind of went through actually, well, it, then Corona kind of happened, and that was just a great way to kind of continue that dialogue because I can say, well, people aren't going out and buying their burgers from McDonald's at the moment because everyone's in lockdown. That means McDonald's is making less money and therefore uh, sort of our investment. As McDonald's is making less money, we're kind of making less money. But don't worry, as soon as the world goes back to normal, everyone will be going back out and buying their burgers and it will kind of recover. It's just about having that long-term kind of mindset. So straight away talking to kids and educating them about, okay, that's how money grows. There's some risks, but... They understand that and, and then I kind of kind of went on to there a bit more about why we don't just invest in one company so I use Blockbuster and that made me feel very very old because they had no ideas what a video or a video recorder was
1: okay. <laughs> so like, yep.
0: yeah, kind of library where you had to buy these cassettes uh, but I said because of Netflix which they know and love people didn't want to go out to this place to go and get their movies therefore Matt, but uh, Blockbuster were, were not getting any more money and therefore they went bust. But Netflix did very, very well. And that's why we invest in thousands of companies because um, we don't know which companies are going to do really well in the future. We don't know which ones are going to go bust. But if we have them all, as long as people we're having uh, so many companies that that money going to go to some of them <laughs> and we're going to be chasing that money and that money going to grow and therefore we'll get wealthier and wealthier if we keep owning that. But at the same time, I also had this kind of tree analogy in there. So again, as we invest more, we're planting more seeds, those trees are going to grow. Sometimes there's going to be a storm, which is market crash. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Trees get broken in a storm. But if you leave the tree alone, it repairs itself and it grows back bigger and stronger. We just don't need to get too scared about our broken tree <laughs> at that point in time. I think that's just so, so powerful in understanding that investing is for a long term trees don't grow overnight trees do have little breaks (laughs) but ultimately they grow back bigger and stronger and the bigger essentially their their objective is to grow that forest so it allows them to to really understand um about what investing is and hope and a good bit about that one is that parents enjoyed it because they learned those kind of basics and it's not as scary as all of the scary headlines that they see on the news or the horrible financial jargon that they might come across on the financial times or on the tv every now and then goes it's too complicated I don't want any of this whereas actually it can be uh, very very simple and and very very powerful.
1: That's great and some really lovely analogies I mean I've read that blog and I've read it to my uh, children as well And, and it's so I can sort of you know, from my own experience, it's really easy for them to understand. And I think particularly that diversification in terms of why you don't just uh, buy one company, you buy many companies as well. So that that's great. Well, look, I've had a great time here. We're coming to the end now. Um, with every show, what I like to do is I like to ask for three pieces of practical advice that the listeners can take away today and can implement with, with their family, with their, with their children. So I'd like to put that question to you now. Kind of, what, what three pieces of advice would you give to any parent or guardian listening today who, who really is, is invested in, in making sure that their children, uh, or even not even their children, their, their nieces, their nephews, uh, relatives have a really good financial education?
0: So I'll go back to those habits. I think the first one is every time your, those children receive any money, just encourage them to save just a little bit. Again, don't doesn't have to be a lot, but just even if it's 10p out of every every pound, just get them to put that aside for long term and to grow, start growing their forest, whether that's birthdays, Christmas, wherever it is. Tooth fairy. My second one would be for parents, to, if they're not already, to start giving their children pocket money again to allow them to to form that habit that i've just mentioned about saving a little bit but also get them to save up for toys that they might want and to start making money decisions and money mistakes and my third one would be for parents to not just with money but in kind of all walks of life help their kids learn to be patient and it's patience is the, essentially the, the superpower of everyone who's financially healthy they can, um, and you can teach your kids to be patient. I know people are like, no, my kids are so demanding. But the key piece for teaching your kids about patience is two bits. One is make sure it's, it's only a little bit that they need to be patient for. So it's not a case of you can't have this cake, <laughs> save this cake for tomorrow. It's eat most of the cake, but save a little bit for tomorrow. So when they do go back the next day, they've got a little bit of cake and they feel so happy that they, had, they kept a little bit. But also, if you can, try and reward your kids for patience as well. Say to them, look, if you don't have all of this today and you do save tomorrow, I'll give you that. You'll have that bit tomorrow, but I'll also give you something else. (laughs) Um, If they do, just put money into um, a piggy bank to save for the long term. Add in a few little coins or add a little bit of extra to reward them kind of instantly for at that time for being patient. Again, the more they can see that patients has the benefits, the more likely they're going to form uh, a, that superpower of being patient. And that's going to pay dividends in terms of their financial health growing up.
1: Brilliant. That's some great advice, particularly on the patients. Um, I hadn't really thought about that, but I think you make some really good points in terms of, you know, that patience being applicable to any other area of their lives. So you use the the cake um, example. That might be, you know, in terms of going out for for playtime. But but that's really great, actually. Um, Will, as I said, it's been great having you on the show. And um, for anyone that, that wants to get in touch, wants to know more about you, and um, where, where can they find you?
0: Yep. So the best place is my website, which is uh dot So that's all one word. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn frequently so i try and post little uh, bits uh, pretty much every day with some tips for for parents um, and also on twitter but my personal email is also will at bluetreesavings.com
1: brilliant well thank you very much for being on the show i hope you enjoyed listening to that episode you can subscribe for free to get notifications whenever a new episode is released and remember reviews are always welcome as it helps new listeners find me